Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the Central New York Airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Welcome into another edition of Fizz Radio. Jared May here with Matt Bonaparte this morning. We are here to break down everything in the Syracuse athletics world. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about. Matt, there is just so much to do with the football side of things. I don't even think we're going to be able to get to the basketball side of things, but let's kind of give a little rundown of what we're going to be talking about today. Deuce Chestnut, the new commit for Syracuse football, biggest commit since 2012. We'll break him down. What does he add to this Syracuse team? Then we'll talk about Syracuse's new football schedule. The teams were released a couple weeks ago, and just recently they came out with the actual dates in the times of these games so we'll see how it all lines up then we'll be talking of with Drew Carter who's down with CBS down in Alabama he will be breaking down our SU top 100 list he's our special guest today and then of course we'll wrap up the show with Fizz feedback but Matt before we get to all of that let's go back to the start Deuce Chestnut he is a four-star cornerback that committed to Syracuse earlier this week. A huge get for the Orange. He adds a lot of depth to a secondary that is really the strength of the Syracuse team, but is going to be losing a lot of talented players in the next coming couple years. And now Deuce Chestnut steps in. An amazing get for Dino Babers and company. Yeah, you mentioned that that's already a strong secondary that Syracuse has. I think. I agree that it's a it's a big get for Syracuse. You have already guys like Andre Sisco, like Ify Melifonwu, and you have Trill Williams. To add a guy like Deuce Chestnut with so much talent, a four-star, that's so important for your defense. Chestnut comes in as the highest-ranked uh, recruit in Syracuse history since 2012. So it's been a decade um, that Syracuse has, like, well, almost a decade. Uh, but one of the best recruits in Syracuse history and recent history, um, the best in Dino Babers era. And the thing with Deuce Chestnut is he's very comparable to Andre Sisco. And when you look at some of his tape, and then you also look at just his numbers, all right? So he's 5'11", 180 pounds. You're probably, you can't really teach growth, but you can also teach strength. So he's coming in at 180 right now. You, you think once he hits a college weight room with the college strength coaches, uh, he's going to bump up maybe 10, 15 pounds. So that puts him right on the fringe of 200 pounds. Andre Sisko is six foot 209. So basically he's an inch taller or rather Chestnut is an inch shorter than Andre Sisko. He's a little lighter than him, but again, I think that will, uh, change once he gets to Syracuse. And then some of his numbers, he, he runs a 4-4 four, uh, four, four shuttle, a 4-8-40, and then he has a 27-inch vertical. So a, a freak athlete and someone that is important to this team because, like you said, um, the secondary is going to be missing a couple people down the road, and Deuce Chestnut comes in in the class of 2021, so he can step in and fill those roles immediately, and he probably has a chance to play his freshman year. Absolutely. I mean, and the thing that comes to my mind 
uh, is that this team, the biggest weakness when I look at this defense is linebackers. So if you can slot this guy in at a nickel at some point and just help that linebacking core that is so weak, that's also incredibly huge. But you talk about how Cisco and, and Iffy and, and Trill are, are heading that, but Cisco's on his way out after this season. If he's going to be playing in his freshman year, that's also huge for this defense. Jared May here with Matt Bonaparte on Fizz Radio. Go give us a follow on Twitter at OrangeFizz. And you can read up about Deuce Chestnut on our website, orangefizz.net. A uh, article up there, four-star cornerback Deuce Chestnut commits to Syracuse football. Super easy to find. Go to the football recruiting section. Uh, Matt, Deuce chose Syracuse over some big-name schools. So in his final five, he had Louisville, Miami, Michigan State, and Rutgers. For Syracuse to be able to beat out uh, Michigan State and a Miami and even Louisville, I mean, I'm not going to put Rutgers in the same conversation because they are obviously kind of the bottom of the FBS. But if you can beat Louisville, Michigan State, and Miami, that means that you're doing something really, really well. And I think it's because of the reputation that Dino Babers has with these defensive backs. I agree 100%. I was going to mention that this puts more confidence uh, in my mind about Dino Babers. After last season, the, the Ryan Alexander situation, I started to get a little iffy about his whole yeah. run through a brick wall mentality, get his guys <laughs> behind him kind of thing, because some guy just up and left the program. Um, but to get a four-star on, on uh, as a recruit, as a Syracuse fan, you should be happy about that because that really could mean that you're going to get more down the road. And Babers is that guy that's going to, get his guys behind him, make everybody want to play for him, whose house, our house kind of thing. So that's a huge get for Syracuse, and hopefully it leads to more down the road. The thing with Deuce is, is that because he's a four-star, he really helps out this this 2021 recruiting class because up until Deuce Chestnut committed, it was all three stars. And Matt, yeah. let me ask you, like before – Deuce Chestnut committed. Were you like, were you happy about this recruiting class? Because with me, I was happy about maybe one guy, Justin Lamsom, the the quarterback coming in. I think that he's a great get and could be the next like Eric Dungey type of guy. Uh, but other than that, I was not impressed with this recruiting class up until Chestnut. I wouldn't say I was thrilled, but I definitely wasn't disappointed. I mean, okay, as with a program like this, you got to work with what you have, and if you have the ability to get a whole bunch of three stars, and you're doing your uh, scouting and you think that the three stars you're getting are the ones that are going to bolster this program. I mean, five stars aren't always the kind of guys that you need to, to win 10 games. I mean, you know, you can do it with three stars. You just have to do some scouting and, and get things together and do it the right way. Um, so if Dino Babers and his uh, crew thinks that they had something together, I mean, I'll trust them. Um, so I wasn't thrilled because, you know, we there, there were no, uh, thing there were no like four or five stars coming in but I, I mean I trusted Babers so how do you think at least in my opinion how do you think that Deuce Chestnut uh, his commit to Syracuse helps like future recruiting classes because in my opinion I think it it does one thing and only one thing and you might say it's a four star other four stars are going to follow him I don't think that's the case unless you're a defensive back because Dino Babers is has a great track record with D-backs. I mean, Andre Sisco, Iffy, Trill, now uh, Deuce coming in. Like, he, he can get those type of guys, but he hasn't proven that he can get a four-star 
offensive lineman or a four-star defensive lineman, or what you really need for this Syracuse team is a four-star linebacker. I would love a four-star linebacker as a Syracuse fan. Right, Jaron. And, you know, it's not like basketball where you get Dior Johnson and hopefully other five stars follow yeah. suit. Um, but what you can hope for with that is that the, that four-star induced chestnut comes and he, he really becomes a superstar in this program like Andre Cisco did. Uh, and other guys see that and the team becomes better through that. And guys just come because the team wins games. So obviously in football, it's not really like you get one four-star and then 30 other guys commit. But uh, hopefully over time, you can build that program to a point where you're expecting it to get four stars like Syracuse expects to get three stars right now. Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte here on Fizz Radio. Matt, before we wrap up the Deuce Chestnut talk, I want to talk about a little bit of what I've been seeing from him on social media. So let's first touch on his announcement video. And I know you and I both had a pretty good laugh at it. And it's incredible, like, Jaron. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're both great. We're both super happy to have Chestnut um, with the orange. But that recruit that that commitment video, and you can go find it. We retweeted it on our Orange Fizz page at Orange Fizz. That was something else, Matt. I I don't know. I, that kind of like started off a little weird for me. It's so funny. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. He he took the the Madden uh 20 like career yeah. mode thing and he plastered on in editing all the the schools that were offering him which i think is hilarious and then he picked up the what in the game is a virginia hat and he just put the syracuse <laughs> logo on it and he just and he put that one on i was like all right i get it he's going to syracuse <laughs> and then it shifted to just him and his family dancing on a football dancing. field, which is so much better than I didn't think it could get better after the Madden part. And then that happened. And I was like, I'm all in on this guy. So but these videos, I love Deuce Chestnut. He's not even in Syracuse yet. These videos, like when you ever, whenever you see a commitment video, it's usually all the hype up and the highlights. And it's like, I want to thank my mom, my dad. I've been working so hard for this. And then at the end, it's always the line of, I'm committing to blank. Yeah. Deuce Chestnut didn't have that. He just went from a Madden virtual uh, type of thing where he just superimposed the Syracuse S logo it's onto awesome. an orange hat to not saying I'm committing to, just showing that he was wearing Syracuse gear. You got gear. the message, it, didn't you? I did, I did. I mean, his <laughs> entire family was wearing orange, but then instead of saying that he committed, it was just dancing around. Like, I, I don't know. Awesome. I... I watched yeah, that and I was like, it was a whole party. I mean, I'm glad again, I'm glad that chestnuts uh, with the orange now, but wow, that was a weird start for, for him. <laughs> uh, but yeah, either way, Deuce chestnut committing to Syracuse in the class of 2021, a four star recruit Syracuse football, getting a big addition to its DB room after this season. All right, that's going to do it for the Deuce Chestnut Talk. After the break, we're going to be talking about Syracuse football's new 2020 schedule. Hopefully, we'll be able to actually see and watch those games, but don't go anywhere. We'll break it down, look at the opponents, and look at where they are slotted in the schedule uh, here on Fizz Radio.
Back here on Fizz Radio, Jared May and Matt Bonaparte with you this Saturday morning on the Score 1260. Make sure you go follow us on Twitter at Orange Fizz. Find all of our articles on our website, orangefizz.net. And of course, listen to all of our audio content on SoundCloud by searching Orange Fizz. We talked about Deuce Chestnut committing to Syracuse, the four-star cornerback prospect for Syracuse coming in in the class of 2021. Now let's move over to 2020, a little more recent. And just a couple days ago, Syracuse football and the ACC announced its 2020 schedule. Syracuse, as we already talked about it on Fizz Radio, they have a very hard road uh, schedule and a very easy home schedule. But let's go through the actual schedule, give you where it all lines up, and then, Matt, let's break it down. So let me just read through it first. They start the season two games on the road at North Carolina, one of the best teams in the entire ACC to start the season. Then they're at Pittsburgh. Then they're home for a little bit versus Georgia Tech. They have a bye week. Uh, versus Duke in the Dome versus Liberty. That's their one non-conference game. And then they go back on the road at Clemson, come home for Wake Forest, home for Boston College at Louisville after a bye week. Um, And then they host NC State. And then this is the kicker. They end their season in South Bend against Notre Dame. So they start they start with North Carolina, you could say is the second or third best team in the ACC, and then they end it with the other second or third best team with Notre Dame. Matt, let's break it all down. Let's start at the beginning, North Carolina and Pittsburgh, just to start uh, two away games. That is, a, that is a tough way to start your 2020 season. Yeah, two away games and against pretty strong teams. And, I mean, North Carolina has one of the best quarterbacks in the country in Sam Howell. So, I mean, this defense is going to be tested early. We're going to see – I mean, last the last season, the first game of the season was against Liberty in Liberty, and we saw a 24 to nothing game. And everyone was like, oh, the defense is incredible this year. And then it wasn't. So, um, you're going to be tested early against Sam Howell, one of the best quarterbacks – in the country and probably the second best behind Trevor Lawrence in the ACC. So um, an offense that can really score and, and a defense of Syracuse that is currently. You don't really know. You yeah. Don't you know have no idea. There, it's, it's, there's there, a big there's, question mark. They're, they're putting in that three, three, five defense, the fire ant quote unquote Absolutely. is the nickname for it. So you, like you said, you don't know. So and North Carolina, lose both Alton Robinson and Kendall Coleman. So you're kind of relying true. on Josh black on that defensive line. You don't really have any linebackers and you have a solid secondary. So I don't know what I'm, we're going to see there, but there's definitely going to be a test. Yeah, so North Carolina is going to be difficult. We know that they, they've they proven their, who they are with Sam Howell um, as at the helm of that. So that's going to be a tough one. Then at Pittsburgh, the next game, um, you also have a tough one. Even though Pittsburgh might not be as threatening as a Clemson or North Carolina or Notre Dame, they always play you tough. They always play Syracuse very tough, especially in Pittsburgh. Those are the games that usually come down to the last possession. Who has the ball last? That's basically all you need. Uh, Well, granted, you need a lot of other things, but still. Um, So against Pittsburgh right after North Carolina, that's a very difficult one-two punch to start your season. But then you get to come home and you have Georgia Tech, a bye week, Duke, and Liberty. Yep. So you come home and you, you – those are the – those first two games at home are kind of the, 
after the bye. I mean, Georgia Tech isn't very solid either, so you can kind of expect to win there. But Duke, you can, I mean, last season, that 49-6 to victory makes me want to say that they'll win again. But with this squad, I honestly have no idea. I really want to be able to see them play first. And then Liberty, you should probably expect another win. And then you go to Clemson, and you're definitely going to lose. So, <laughs> so I, mean, I think, I, I at least in my opinion, I think that Duke is your hardest home opponent. Um, and we've said, and I've said before, that you your home, yes, your home schedule. What about is NC State? Sure. No, NC State. Name one person on NC State's team right now. Yeah, I don't think I could honestly. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know why I, I mean, said that. I don't, I don't, I don't think that they're going to be bad, uh, but they're still in a rebuilding year. They, they really haven't been good since. Well, I guess it's not going back too far. But in uh, twenty eighteen, they were solid. They just weren't great. And then twenty nineteen, last season, they kind of just fell apart because they lost. Who was their quarterback? Ryan Finley, if I remember Ryan correctly. Finley. And yeah. they lost Kelvin Harmon. Yeah. So okay. So no, I'm not. I'm not too afraid of NC State if I'm a Syracuse player. What I what I would say is for their home schedule at least I think Duke is their hardest opponent, um, and you have that after the bye week. So that's a that's a pro right there. Uh, you start off hard, with a difficult schedule again with North Carolina and Pittsburgh. Georgia Tech is eh, uh, but then you get to have a little break. You get to prepare for Duke with an extra week under your belt, and I think that helps you. I think that this three game stretch at home. Uh, will really benefit the Orange, especially if they can rattle off three wins and get some type of momentum. Now that momentum's probably going to be just halted right in place because then you have Clemson, uh, the next game in Death Valley. But at least you get some momentum and you get to build it up so that you have a better chance to try to battle with Clemson rather than going into Clemson maybe after a hard road game against, say, Pittsburgh or North Carolina or Louisville. Like, I I think this is the best uh, lineup of games and scheduling of games going into your toughest opponent, which is Clemson. So do you think they're going into Death Valley 3-2? and Uh, three and two or two and three. I don't think that they lose or that they lose four of those, uh, first five games. Okay. All right. Uh, I think I agree with that. Okay. Um, All right. So, so then at Clemson, I think we don't really have to spend too much time with that because, uh, well it's Clemson. It's the top team in the country. The second, like wherever you want to rank them, they're, they're top five easily. Um, and then you have verse Wake Forest and verse Boston College. Again, two back-to-back home games that are against subpar competition, and that gives you some more momentum going into an away game at Louisville. Again, I, I like this home schedule. I, I, I actually like it a lot more than the original schedule. I, I'm more optimistic about it. If you if you want to know how optimistic I was about the last one, go watch our, or listen to our other Fizz Radio where I, I tore it to shreds. But, I mean, I think that Syracuse actually has a decent shot at some wins here. I mean, you're not playing – I mean, this ACC isn't very strong. So, it actually right. – it all comes down to different components of Syracuse that are have big question marks on them, like the linebacking core, the defensive line, the offensive line. How well is the uh, wide receiving core going to be? So – it, it all comes down to stuff like that. And when you t- play teams like Clemson and, and North Carolina, that's the kind of stuff that gets tested and exploited to where you lose a huge game. 
But if they can come together and, and get something going, especially with this new defense, I think they'll have a good shot at some wins. Yeah, I mean, Syracuse is just like every other team other than the top three in the ACC. There's a lot of question marks, and it could be anybody. I mean, besides Clemson, Notre Dame, and North Carolina, it's kind of a toss-up for any other game. So when you have a schedule like this where you have consecutive home games against subpar competition that are that are toss-up games and that you could win— that gives you the momentum going into the harder away games. And that's why the more and more I look at this Syracuse schedule that just got released and we're kind of live reacting to it right now, I like it. I really like this schedule. I don't think that there is, other than those first two away games, I don't think there's a hard stretch. Now, there are hard games because Clemson's always going to be difficult. Notre Dame is always going to be difficult. But I don't think that there's a hard stretch, again, other than those first two games that you have to look at and be like, oh boy, that's three consecutive losses or that's four consecutive losses that is really going to hurt this Syracuse team going down the line. Yeah, I was going to say that too. Those first two games are really the only ones where I'm saying, okay, that's going to be difficult for Syracuse to pull out a victory. Otherwise, I, I agree. I mean... It's a, it's not, it's a pretty soft schedule. Um, and I mean, that's what you're looking for when you have a team that doesn't have everything figured out. I mean, with, I mean, you, you end the season on Notre Dame away, which is, is tough to call a victory right now. Right. Um, as well as Clemson away. I mean, you're playing all the, you're playing all the, the difficult teams away though. So you're playing North Carolina away, Clemson away and Notre Dame away. You don't host any of those guys. So, I mean, it makes it even harder to make, a, to pull out a victory there. But you play all the easy opponents at home, so there's there's a flip side to it. Yeah. Jared May and Matt Bonaparte here on Fizz Radio breaking down Syracuse's 2020 football schedule. It just got released, the actual lineup of games. Now, Matt, before we go to break, uh, let's talk about their non-conference opponents. So the, we knew that it was going to be 10 games in conference and then one non-conference game. They decide to go with Liberty. I'm pretty sure it's because of like legal reasons without getting into too much jargon. Uh, but they had a contract. They had to play Liberty. I mean, what's yeah, your opinion? Like, are, contract are, there. I mean, are you are Liberty's, you okay with playing Liberty? Yeah, I mean, they're a team that isn't very good, so I mean, I'm all for it. <laughs> right, right. Uh, the the also the other interesting thing that I saw um, when Sarah or when the ACC rather released their uh, schedule is that Liberty is the non-conference opponent for three different ACC teams. Yeah, so they I'm, play I'm Syracuse. They play Virginia Tech, and they play NC State. So let's just say in a hypothetical world, I mean, all of this could get shut down because of COVID, but in a hypothetical world, Liberty, the school, gets shut down. That screws three Syracuse, or rather three ACC teams out of their non-conference opponent. Yeah, I mean, but everything with COVID, you can't really narrow something down to that. I mean... That could happen with so many schools, so it's just like, you know, you don't know. Right. Right. All right. Well, that is Syracuse's 2020 schedule talk. After the break, we're going to get to our SU Top 100 list. If you've been following along on our Twitter pages and on our website, you've been seeing that the Orange Fizz has come up with an SU Top 100 of all athletes of all time. And today we will be breaking down numbers 55 to 31. And we have a guest 
Drew Carter, a former Syracuse alumni and a former Fizz member uh, who now works for CBS 42 down in Alabama. He'll be joining us to break all of our SU Top 100 list down. Don't go anywhere. Back here on Fizz Radio, and now we are joined by a very special guest, a former Fizz member, a Syracuse alumni, and now a member of CBS 42 down in Alabama, Drew Carter. Uh, hey, Drew, how you doing, buddy? I'm great, fellas. How are y'all doing? I'm good. Doing great. Yeah, we're uh, we're we are ready to rock and roll. We're breaking down the SU top 100 list. We've been releasing these articles on our website that you can go find orangefizz.net, and of course follow us on Twitter at orangefizz. Uh, but for this week, we released numbers 55 into 31. And Drew, let's kind of go through it. Let's talk about who you like on this list, who you don't like, what rankings you agree with, what you don't agree with. Um, I'll let you take the floor. And what's just your overall thoughts of thirty of fifty-five to thirty-one? All right. So before we really get cruising here, guys, can I not spoil the top thirty? No, you can. You can. We're gonna. This okay. is this is going out on Saturday, so don't you worry. Okay. All right. Outstanding. So I mean, we will stick within our fifty-five to thirty-one, but just in case we want to like have a heated debate later on in the show. But the first one I want to talk about is the first name on this list. And I really got to hand it to you guys. I think you did a pretty good job putting this together. And I appreciate you asking me to come on because it sort of forced me to polish up my Syracuse history. You know, 55 on this list is Bill Smith. Bill Smith falls into the category here of ordinary names, extraordinary games. I did a little <laughs> Bill Smith research, which I had never done before. Bill Smith aside from Dave Bing, was maybe the best Syracuse basketball player in the pre-Bayheim era. The guy was ridiculous. All you got to do is Google him. He had almost 50 points in one game against Lafayette. 47 is still a Syracuse record. Dude averaged 21 and 13 for his career. He was phenomenal. I think Bill Smith got job. And if he had a, if he had a fun name like Carmelo Anthony, maybe he'd be in the top 20. But <laughs> Bill Smith got the short end of the stick because his name is so boring. No offense, Bill Smith. But sticking with those ordinary names, extraordinary games, Joe Morris at number 35, I love this guy. And to be honest, he's another one I probably wouldn't have even known existed until they retired his jersey when I was at Syracuse, when I was a student. They retired number 47. I did some research. I'm like, wow, so the all-time leading rusher in Syracuse history is not Jim Brown. It's not Floyd Little. It's not Larry Sanka. It's Joe Morris. And for the record, it's by a mile. He's like 1,000 yards in front of the next guy. So. I'm really enjoying taking this deep dive on Syracuse history with some guys who, you know, casual fans might have never even heard of. So you have, and you have Bill Smith at 55. You like also Joe Morris at 35. Tell me what you don't like about this list. What are some of the names that you think are a little too high? Eric Dungy at 45. Does that irk you or is that a good ranking for him? No, Jerron, it does not irk me. <laughs> because Eric Dungy, and this has been well documented, you know, when you guys are doing these series, and I know Tyler came on, I know you had Matthew Gutierrez on, so I've got a tough act to follow right here. <laughs> but we were all in the same grade, and so for us, there is a special place in our heart for a guy like Eric Dungy, you know, because he, 
as we've talked about before, our first football game, our freshman year, Dungy came in to replace Terrell Hunt, and he was the starter for our entire college career. So I love Eric Dungy, and he was very fun to, to cover. I actually think that's a pretty fair ranking. Like, you can, you can argue, you know, Ryan Nassib, they were pretty good when he was there. Marvin Graves, I know, is a little bit further down the list. And I think that argument is legitimate. But Dungy, you look at some of the numbers. I know they're sort of juiced by the Dino Babers offense. But he was outstanding for a couple of his years at Syracuse. And to be the starter for, for four years, that's a huge accomplishment. So Eric Dungy being in the mid-40s, I'm totally okay with. You know, you can really make an argument for pretty much anyone on this list being higher than they actually are. Even Eton Thomas, he's one of the guys who stood out. And I was thinking, maybe this is a little aggressive for Eton Thomas being in the top 50 because I think of him more for what he's done after his basketball career. He is very outspoken. He's very articulate. He's, he does awesome stuff in the community. But I was thinking, was he really that good on the floor? And I look him up, he averaged three and a half blocks in three different seasons. The guy was a monster. Best protector in Syracuse history. The guy was awesome. Right. Um, so it's, it's great to kind of, like I said, look back at history and see just how good all these athletes really were. Here with Jaron May and Drew Carter, our special guest, uh, something that was a little bit surprising to me when I saw the list first, Drew, was Adrian Autry up at 47. Now, I mean, he wasn't bad in his time with Syracuse, but he's certainly more known as a coach than he was as a player. And up uh, above a guy like Eta Thomas, like you mentioned, what do you think about that? Well, I heard through the grapevine that Jim Beheim was number one on someone's list. So That was, uh, that was our associate editor, Ty editor Tyler Rocking obviously a graduate with you yes yeah, so I guess <laughs> we're just include like coaching and playing is just rolled into one I guess here. so at I least guess, in Tyler but... Rocky's mind <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm glad you brought up Adrian Autry um I don't know a ton about him as a player I just know that his son Adrian Autry Jr. was pure electricity I mean he was the engine of the bench mob that guy was so much fun to watch every time he came in so Adrian Autry Jr., probably not going to crack this list unless, like, 50 years from now he's been coaching for 45 years and Tyler Rocky is still editing Orange <laughs> Because of his coaching career, he's number two behind Jim Beheim. So, I don't know. But, yeah, the Autry family is royalty in Syracuse. Right? I guess so. Um, now a player who is near and dear to my heart. My, I, I got to say the player I support the most in Syracuse basketball history, C.J. Fair, comes in at 43 did you think that was a little too high for him a guy that made a final four appearance had had a big east tournament championship he, he's pretty accomplished he's got some highlights that slam dunk over Otto porter to just put georgetown where they should be in, in the trash can um how do you feel about him i think cj fair it's, it's unfortunate that the most memorable highlight of his career was a charge that yep. sucks charge that wasn't actually a charge by the way oh one thousand percent. But it gave us it gave us the greatest Bayheim jacket toss of all time. So there's that. You you are correct in that. When I say charge, that, that's what it goes down on as and the box score was not an actual charge. But I see Fair and I see Hakeem Warwick a, a few spots apart. I think their careers were fairly similar, where they maybe don't get the respect they deserve because their careers from front to back were so extremely solid but they were never like the face of their teams that they were. Mm -hmm. Is that, is that never fair? the best player on the best team? Right. Yeah. 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 There was always so, another guy, Fab Mello or, or somebody else that was on that team who was for Hakeem. It was obviously Carmelo who was yeah. better than him. 
Well, with with Fair, I think he he probably was the best player on a few of those teams, but he was never the most flashy, never the most yeah. spectacular. With Warwick, he makes the block in the championship game, but his two years after that, his junior and senior years, were phenomenal. And so I think with both of those guys, there are certain plays that stand out and other players on their teams that stand out maybe a little more, but they were outstanding players in Syracuse. Love watching them. Drew Carter of CBS 42 down in Alabama and a Fizz alumni is joining us here on Orange Fizz Radio. Um, Drew, let's give the women some love right now. So Brittany Sykes comes in at 50, the women's basketball player who's now in the WNBA and in the bubble playing right now for the LA Sparks. Liz Hogan, the outstanding women's lacrosse goaltender, um, who is a starter for all four years, a three-time Tawaratan Award watch list member, comes in at 48. Do you think those are too high or too low for them? Brittany Sykes, you know, it, it's really hard to, I know you guys have talked about this already, to compare across sports. So mm-hmm. someone like um, someone like Kayla Trainer, I know Goody kind of pointed out, it's hard to have a better career than she did. So you could really argue that she could be in the top 10 if you're just going based on how good they were in their respective sports. Now, there's not as much publicity around those sports, so it's kind of hard to rank them. But here's what I know about Brittany Sykes. She tore her ACL twice when she was in college, and she came back and was still the most athletic player on the floor in every game she played in. She is such a cool story. I got a chance to meet her a couple times, and she's a phenomenal human being, too. She was actually in Atlanta for the first couple of years of her career. I was hoping I could go see a game because I'm in Birmingham now, which is only a couple hours away. They unfortunately traded her to L.A., but she, I mean, it's no surprise to anyone who followed her in college that she's been crushing it in the WNBA. I think that's very fair. Like, it's really hard to say any of these players should be lower than they actually are because they're all so good. You know, they all make the top 100 list for a reason. But I will say this, fellas. I will give you a little negativity here. Johnny Flynn? Johnny Flynn? I'm a Timberwolves fan. I would like to see Johnny Flynn and Wesley Johnson erased from this list. And if you make a top 100 worst players in the pros, they're one and two. Johnny Flynn and Wes Johnson were top 10 picks for the Minnesota Timberwolves a couple years apart, and they both totally flamed out. There's a young man by the name of Steph Curry who the Wolves could have drafted instead of Johnny Flynn. Yeah, man, Ricky Rubio. Yeah, you know what? I love Ricky Rubio. But Johnny Flynn, Johnny Flynn's dead to me. I know he was great at Syracuse, but oh my God. And Wesley Johnson was even worse. So I'm glad he's not in our little segment here, 55 to 31. But I see Johnny Flynn and I see Red immediately. So I'm fired up about that. Doesn't seem like you, uh, you're holding a grudge or anything. Uh, let's move down the list at 39, Justin Pugh. I know it's a little difficult to rank offensive linemen because they don't have the stats. Um, they don't have, like, the highlight plays that some of these wideouts or running backs or quarterbacks have. Um, but at 39, Justin Pugh, one of the greatest offensive linemen in Syracuse history. Your opinions on that, Drew? Well, Jerron, and don't forget about Jim Ringo. We go back-to-back offensive linemen. Yep. Jim Ringo, way back in the day, played at Syracuse, I think, in the 50s. And he's an NFL Hall of Famer, and one of the greatest offensive linemen in NFL history. So it's cool to see the offensive linemen getting a little love. You know, it's the same type of thing as, as ranking someone in women's lacrosse, where we probably didn't watch every play they ever made. With Mello, everyone knows everything he did. But with the offensive linemen, you know, you're not watching the left tackle on every snap. So it's nice to see that, that the Fizz, even though I'm not there anymore, 
is, is keeping things together and voting very, I would say, objectively and, and very fairly because Ringo and Pew certainly belong in the top 40. Taking a step back a little bit more towards uh, the upper echelon uh, of the list, I just want to talk about Brandon Trish, a guy who was with Syracuse for four years. Um, he, he comes in at 51. Uh, you know, you got to see him, didn't you? Or did he, did he leave right before you got there? He left right before I got there. So he seemed, he was like one of those guys who seemed like he played there for 10 years. You know, he was with every team, he was with every final four run, whatever. Um, how do you feel about him on this list? I love Brandon Trish. Brandon Trish was, he was like the rudder of some outstanding ships that Syracuse basketball put together. Trish was on some of the most stacked teams ever. And you can kind of say the same thing about Fair. I think Fair was a little bit after that heyday. But you're talking late 2000s, early 2010s. Trish is kind of the, the string that connects all of he those. He was that houses. glue guy. Yeah, totally, totally. And it's, it's good to see him playing for Bayheim's Army. The guy is – he's built like a brick house. I mean, he can't mm -hmm. be more than, what, like 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, yeah, he's not a tall guy. But, good God, he is so built. I would hate to try to defend him. Even though he's small in the low post, he probably just bullies guys. I love watching him play. All right. Well, that is Drew Carter of CBS 42 down in Alabama, also a former Fizz member and a Syracuse alumni. Drew, thanks so much for hopping on and talking about our SU Top 100 list. Yeah, thanks, guys. Good luck with the Top 30. I will be listening. All right. Drew Carter joins us here on Fizz Radio. After the break, we're going to be getting to your Fizz feedback. Make sure you don't go anywhere. Wrapping up Fizz Radio here, Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte. And, of course, it is your favorite time of Fizz Radio. We're getting to your Fizz feedback. So we put out these polls on our Orange Fizz Twitter page. You can go follow us at Orange Fizz. Um, and we do this every single week. We have four polls out there this week. We're going to read through them. We'll dissect them, and we'll give you the results. So the first one, Matt. What is your biggest worry for Syracuse football going into the 2020 season? Now, I left off when I tweeted this out. I left off COVID because obviously that's the easy answer. Uh, but I want to know if we actually played the season, what happened? So the, the uh, options were wide receivers, offensive line, linebackers, or learning the new 3-3-5 defense. In your opinion, Matt, what is your biggest worry? Well, if you know me, you know I, I love to harp on the offensive line for Syracuse. <laughs> but I actually didn't pick the offensive line this time around wow. because I think there's some actual talent there. For the linebackers, I can't say the same thing. I have no idea who, who Syracuse is throwing out at linebacker this season. So, I mean, that's my biggest worry, especially in that new defense. The, these guys are going to be – there's a there's – a, there's a potential for these guys to just be whirlwinded, have no idea what, what's going on, and also just not have the talent level that a defense needs. So that's what I most worry about going into this season as linebackers. Okay. Uh, I switched it up. I went learning the, the new defense, and solely because of how COVID is impacting their preseason uh, workouts and, and practice and everything like that, it's obviously going to be different. It's obviously going to be a little shorter than usual. And if you're implementing a brand new defense and you can't practice it all the way through for a normal camp, that's going to be a little difficult. Um, so I went learning new defense. You went linebackers. The people, the Fizz feedback uh, voters went offensive line. I'm starting I think to sway that's them. the easy answer. 
I think that's the easy answer. I mean, they 54% of the vote, um, and we have a couple of different comments, and all of them are pretty much the same. John Andrew, uh, Architect Guy, and Bob C. all basically said it's my their biggest worries is that the season actually won't happen because of COVID. Let's move on to the second Fizz feedback, which former Syracuse men's basketball player will end with the best stats in the NBA bubble. Uh, four different options. Dion Waiters, Carmelo Anthony, Jeremy Grant, Michael Carter-Williams. I I mean, this one's pretty easy for me. I think it's Melo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who else could you really pick? It's Carmelo Anthony. I mean, the greatest Syracuse alum or basketball uh, player in program history. Guy's still playing, and he's still pretty darn good. So, I mean, Carmelo's the guy, and I don't think there's much of a, a debate there. So, Melo also wins 70% of the vote. Michael Carter-Williams didn't get one vote. That's just, like, not even one. Not even just a MCW stan out there didn't even want to vote for him. Uh, but Melo gets 70% of the vote. I think that's an easy one as well. Uh, another mellow question. What mellow would you want on your team? Bubble mellow, hoodie mellow, cuse mellow, or braids mellow? Now, Matt, I think this is a pretty biased question. Um, <laughs> granted, I did write it, but uh, I went with hoodie mellow because I wanted to take my Syracuse bias out of it. I think that he was the most dominant when you saw all those workout videos and he was just rocking a hoodie. I, I stand hoodie mellow. I mean, how could you not pick cuse mellow? Come on. Like, what did you expect? I not, mean, the, yeah. the, the people not to pick Q Smello? I, I knew that they were gonna. It's only I just wanted to be a little different. I want to be a little different. All right. Well, kudos to you. But I picked Q Smello because, as I just said, he's the only Mello that won a championship. Best Mello there Q ever Smello's, was. Uh, yeah. All right. So 78% of the vote for him. That is a runaway. Uh, Braids Mello, actually, with 8% of the vote. That was kind of his time with the Nuggets. Hoodie Mello with 10%. And then Bubble Mellow, which is what he currently is. He had that knockdown uh, shot that was down at the late parts of the game a couple days ago um, that I'm pretty sure won it for the Trailblazers. So good for him. All right, let's move on to the last Fizz feedback. If Syracuse's recent commit, Deuce Chestnut, who we talked about uh, earlier on this Fizz radio, joined the Orange this season, this upcoming 2020 season, where would you rank him among the Syracuse defensive backs? The best, the second best, the third best, or fourth or below? Matt, what did you have? I threw him at third best. Uh, I thought that he would slot in right above Iffy and right behind uh, Cisco True. and Trill. Um, yeah. I thought, you know, he's a talented guy. Obviously, we haven't seen him play at the, the collegiate level yet, but if I were to have to guess, that's probably where I, I think he'd fit in in that depth chart. I just think that Cisco and Trill are the most – talented guys on that team and if he has the potential to do that but he's just not quite there yet yeah so i i have the same exact take um the thing is 19 percent of the voters put he would be the best and that's what i really have a problem with because if you think that deuce chestnut is coming in as a freshman and being better than andre cisco as a junior that's just absolutely crazy that's crazy you need to go talk to someone because that is not true and that's not how it's going to happen so uh i went with third best as well that's also the majority of the vote 35 percent but close in second place fourth or below that had 30 percent of the vote um but hey that's going to do our fizz feedback that's also going to wrap up our fizz radio show here on the score 1260 thank you all so much for tuning in 
we are signing off for Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte. Make sure you come back next Saturday morning, 9 to 10, here on The Score 1260. Again, this has been another edition of Fizz Radio. We'll see you next time.